right, so for the last several weeks as we've been going through Joshua, we've been in some rough chapters where it's pretty much just giving names, talking about land, and it's been good though because it's got me studying a lot of different things and I've preached on a lot of subjects that I've probably never really preached on before, and so that's one good thing about preaching through books of the Bible, but at the same time too, um, you know, when you're just reading off a list of the borders of the inheritance that everyone got, you can't really preach just on that subject. And so a lot of these messages clearly have not been so much about that chapter, but we've kind of used some things as a springboard into other related subjects. And so what we're going to look at tonight, uh, because what we're, see- uh, uh, what we're seeing in this chapter is um, the cities that the Levites were given. Last week, we looked at the cities of refuge that the Levites had uh, that were specific designated cities that people could go to if they accidentally killed someone so they could be protected until they were able to stand trial. And so here's where it's showing the rest of the cities they received. Because they didn't get a portion of land like the rest of the tribes did, but within all of the tribes, they had different cities for the Levites so they could live among the people so they could be there and available to do sacrifices and things. And it's kind of like, just like we need local churches today, don't we? You know, it would stink if we only had like one central church because geographically it just wouldn't work would it now during this time they did have the tabernacle the temple hadn't been built yet and the tabernacle uh would end up being in jerusalem and it would stay there and that would be the main headquarters that was going to be the city that god was going to choose to put his name forever but at the same time there was a lot of daily things that needed to take place and so they had things locally set up amongst all the Levites. And so they kind of divided the different families of the Levites up to uh, dwell amongst all these different tribes. And of course, it was Aaron's family that was given the special role of high priest. And they had, uh, you know, they were always uh, over the main things that were headquartered in Jerusalem. But we're going to look at the role of the Levites tonight. And I want us to, I think it's important that we have an understanding of their job and what they did. And it'll help us too to understand, you know, why they needed to be spread out amongst all the people. They couldn't just be there in Jerusalem. And so there's a lot of, th- uh, there, there's really a lot we could talk about on this tonight. And I'm going to try to cover as much as I can. But let's go ahead and read the last few verses of Joshua 21. It says, And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel all came to pass. So even though the Canaanites are not completely out of the land, they were completely subdued. They're not messing with them anymore. Israel is now free to do what God has commanded them to do. They are free to build houses, to make farms. They're free to now worship the Lord as they see fit. They're free to do the sacrifices. All these things that they couldn't do before, they're able to do now. We saw, I forgot what week it was, how when they came out of Egypt, um, or when they were in the wilderness for 40 years, they weren't circumcising during that time. And they kind of reinstituted the circumcision again. They are now... There's no excuses for them to be disobedient to God anymore. Everything is going good. God is blessing. 
And so God's giving them all this land. God is fully coming through on His promises to this generation that was serving Him, that was being obedient. Great things are happening. And this generation was probably the greatest generation or probably would have been one of the greatest times to be an Israelite. I mean, they're going into a long time of peace and prosperity. God is being good to them. And you know why? Because they were obeying God. And it, it was fantastic what went on during this time. But what, so we're going to focus, though, on the Levites in this message and, so we can understand the purpose of this tribe and their role in Israel. And so while it's appropriate to compare some things that the Levites did in those days to the ministry today, I also think it's equally important to notice some of the differences. Because sometimes past, it's okay to take principles for how the Levites did things and apply them to the church today and the pastor and all that. But let me tell you, you can go too far on that. And pastors sometimes, they start making claims and applying things that they shouldn't. In fact, it's just downright wrong. And I've seen some pastors, you know, pretty much, I mean, you know, majorly cross some lines in power that they claim. And they'll base it on what the Levites did. And I think if we have a proper understanding of the role of the Levites and how things have changed under the new covenant, it will help us see through it when a pastor just goes too far. When he goes from just, you know, maybe applying a principle that's appropriate to just using the power that the Levites had to just try to get power for himself that God never intended for him to happen to to have. So first thing we need to do, let's go to Exodus chapter 13. All right, Exodus chapter 13. And we're just going to kind of try to give a brief history uh, of the Levites, how they got started and what they did. But Hebrews 13 verse 1, it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Now this was right after God killed the firstborn of the people in Egypt and He spared their firstborn if they were obedient and they put the blood on the door. And so God's telling them after this happened, sanctify all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. God is claiming all the firstborns for Himself. He's saying, those are mine, of man and beast. They belong to me. Uh, Exodus 22:29 says, Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors, the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt, get, shalt thou give unto me. So God, when, uh, you know, one of the things that God did and something we see throughout the law, we're not going to see all the references, but when it came to the offerings, God always got the first of everything. The first fruits. The first of anything you got, it went to God, and that included children. They were His. God chose them for the service of the Lord, for the work of the Lord. When you have a son, you have a firstborn, He's God's. He's going to God. And you say, well, why didn't we ever really see that in the Bible? Well, we see shortly later after God instituted, after God claimed the firstborn for himself, that God ended up choosing the Levites instead of the firstborn. But let me tell you, the firstborn technically were still God's. Look at what it says in Numbers chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest, that they may minister unto him. And they shall keep his charge and the charge of the whole congregation 
before the tabernacle of the congregation to do the service of the tabernacle. There was no way just Aaron and his family was going to be able to do all the things that God wanted done when it came to sacrifices and all the, all the offerings and things that were supposed to be done. There was no way Aaron and his family could do that for all the tribes as they were scattered throughout their land. And so originally it was the firstborn that God had chosen. But then God says, you know what? Bring the Levites, all of them, and before Aaron and sanctify them. And it says, and they shall keep his charge uh, to do the, uh, and the charge of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of the congregation to do service of the tabernacle. And they shall keep all the instruments of the tabernacle of the congregation and the charge of the children of Israel to do the service of the tabernacle. And thou shalt give the Levites unto Aaron and to his sons. They are wholly given unto him out of the children of Israel. And thou shalt appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall wait upon their priest's office. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. And the Lord said unto Moses, saying, And I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that openeth the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine, because all the firstborn are mine. For on the day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I hallowed unto me all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. Mine shall they be. I am the Lord. So, while it was God decided the Levites are going to be the ones that Aaron uses, God still mentions the fact that the firstborn still belongs to him. But God made a provision or allowed them to basically buy back their firstborn. Because, you know, the thing is too, if, you know, if you're a man, you have an inheritance, you have a land, you have that first son, you know, you kind of want to pass those things on to your son, don't you? And it would be kind of hard giving them to the Lord, you know, for the work of the Lord, and then they're not with you. I mean, you know, who wants to give up their son for that? Now, remember, Hannah did that, didn't she? You know, because she was so desperate for a son, she told God, if you give me a son, I'll give him to service for you. And you know what? God did. God allowed that. And we see how uh, Samuel, he ministered with Eli, and then God ended up giving Hannah more children as a result of that. But uh, at the same, that would be a great sacrifice, giving your son to the work of the Lord. Uh, but... Um, so this deal that God comes up with, I think would have been a good deal. It says, but the firstling of an ass, thou shalt redeem with the land. Uh, and if thou redeem him not, then shalt thou break his neck. All the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt redeem and none shall appear before me empty. So this is where they would buy them back with the money that was used. So the Levites, you know, they could do all these things for the work of the Lord. Because again, all these things that the Levites are doing, it's for the people. It's for the other tribes. These things are necessary. They can't be obedient to God. They can't continue getting the blessing of God as a people if sacrifices aren't being made for them, if, if, if they're not doing these offerings, all these things. And so, I mean, you know, if, if it was me and God said, hey, your firstborn belongs to me, but, you know, you can buy them back, you know, if you give this offering, I mean, I'd give the offering. And at the end of the day, too, it is true. It's God's. You know, we often think everything's ours, but no, folks, it's God's. Everything we have belongs to God. And if we have it, if we, if we are enjoying it, we should understand that this is a blessing that God is allowing me to enjoy. And the Lord can take whatever He wants. 
And you better believe he had every right to do this, but I do believe this was a blessing. This was a good thing when God allowed them to basically give this offering so they could redeem their firstborn and they could live with them, inherit the land, all those things. I think, I think it, was a, it was a good deal. But Numbers 3, verse 40, says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Number all the firstborn of the males of the children of Israel from a month old and upward, and take the number of their names. And thou shalt take the Levites for me. I am the Lord instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel and the cattle of the Levites instead of all the firstlings among the cattle of the children of Israel. And Moses numbered, as the Lord commanded him, all the firstborn among the children of Israel and all the firstborn males by number of names from a month old and upward of those that were numbered of them were twenty and two thousand two hundred and three score and thirteen. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel, and the cattle of the Levites instead of their cattle, and the Levites shall be mine, I am the Lord. And for those that are to be redeemed of the two hundred and three score and thirteen of the firstborn of the children of Israel, which are more than the Levites, thou shalt take even five shekels apiece by the pole, after the shekel of the sanctuary shalt thou take them, the shekel is twenty geras, and thou shalt give the money wherewith the odd number of them is to be redeemed unto Aaron and to his sons. And Moses took the redemption money of them that were over and above them that were redeemed by the Levites. Of the firstborn of the children of Israel took he the money, a thousand three hundred and three score and five shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the money of them that were redeemed unto Aaron and his sons according to the word of the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. And so you, know, you could say that this was kind of how they funded the beginning of everything when it came to uh, the, temp- or the tabernacle because they had to make all these artifacts for it out of gold and silver and bronze. I mean, there's a lot of materials and things. And then the Levites too, they needed to be, build houses and things for them to live in because again, they're not like the other tribes where they can just go and build these things for themselves, but they still needed to live. They still needed shelter, clothing and so this was kind of a way by buying back their firstborn they were able to go and then you know provide all these things so you know god knew what he was doing and all these things but here's the question you know why did god originally take the firstborn only to replace them a short time later with the levites because originally god did he said firstborn's mine for the service of the lord but then very short time later, God said, I want the Levites instead of the firstborn. So, why, you know, why did he do this? Okay, And here's the reason I think. Turn over to Numbers chapter 18. I think God was trying to teach them something here. I think God wanted them to have an appreciation for the Levites that had God not done this first, they might not have appreciated the Levites like they should have. But it says in Numbers 18 verse 14, Everything devoted in Israel shall be thine. Everything that openeth the matrix in all flesh, which they bring unto the Lord, whether it be of men or beasts, shall be thine. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man shalt thou surely redeem, and the firstling of unclean beasts shalt thou redeem. And those that are to be redeemed from a month old shalt thou redeem according to thine estimation, for the money of five shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary, which is 20 geras. But the firstling of a cow, or the firstling of sheep, or the firstling of a goat, thou shalt not redeem, 
they are holy, thou shalt sprinkle their blood upon the altar and shalt burn their fat for an offering made by fire for a sweet savor unto the Lord. I believe one of the reasons God did that is he was try, he was teaching them a principle that we see throughout the Bible that God gets the first of everything. The first of everything, it, it belongs to him. And so if you had a cow, right, if you had a cow, the first time that, or that cow ends up giving birth to another cow, you know what you do? You give that to the Lord. If you have a sheep and it, and it uh, the first one it has, you give it to the Lord. After that, all the rest of them were, were yours to keep, to do with as you saw fit. But God always wanted them remembering him and everything. And so God always took the first. Remember when they came into the land, the first city that they went at Jericho, God said, everything you take in that city, it's mine. And then Achan got greedy, didn't he? And he said, no, I want some of this. But then God ended up killing him for it. Why? Because he got the first belongs to God. It's his. And so we see how after that, all the spoils, God said, it's all yours. And because of the fact they were obedient and they gave God the first, God would end up giving them much more and all the other things later. And so something we can learn from this, we're not under the law today, but I do believe this principle still applies. And I do believe we should always keep God first in everything. I think it's good that we give God the first day of the week. It just makes sense. God should get the first of everything. You know, the first, you know, the, the, you know what the first line item in your budget ought to be? It ought to be your tithe. That should be the, that should be the first thing. I mean, even if you give 10% of your gross or whatever, you know what? If you have a written budget, don't put it on there second. Put it on there first. Why? It's just a reminder that, you know what? This belongs to God. He gets the priority. That's the way that we ought to be with things. You know, the first thing you should do before you eat, you know what you ought to do? You ought to thank God. We ought to remember Him first in everything. The first thing, you know what you, the first thing you should do for Christmas? Remember Christ. We always read the Christmas story first. Why? Jesus is first in everything. That just, that's just how we ought to be. And so I, and I'm not trying to make a bunch of rules here for everyone. Okay? Again, you know, I believe in individual soul, liberty, all that, all that stuff. But that should be your mindset. Your mindset should always be the things of God first. No matter what. You can, you can have all the other things in the world that you like. You can have other hobbies. You can love other things. But you know what? God's always first. I think you ought to love other people, but you ought to love God more. He ought, he ought to just be number one in absolutely everything. And so I believe God was establishing that principle there. But I believe God did it this way. Again, so the people of Israel would appreciate them. You know, he didn't want Israel taking the Levites for granted. You know, They were commanded to, to remember the Levites. And so the thing is, I think God did this at first. So they, all, so they would know. You know, they, they, hey, at one time, God was going to take our firstborn for the service of the Lord. But instead, he took the Levites. Every time they would have that firstborn son, they would know he belongs to God. God allowed me to take him back. You know, I thank God that there's the Levites because somebody had to do that work. The work that the Levites did, we're going to talk about the, the work that they did. It was absolutely necessary, but they always knew if it wasn't for them, it would be my firstborn. That firstborn son that I have, that I love, that I love being around, he would not be in our home. He would not be around us if it were not for the Levites doing this work. And so I believe it helped the people of Israel remember the Levites and not to take them for granted because they were very important. What they did 
was absolutely necessary during this time. And look what it says in Numbers chapter 18 and verse 6. Numbers 18 verse 6, it says, And I behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel to you. They are given as a gift for the Lord to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. And so the work that they did, it was it was absolutely necessary for Israel as a people. You know what? I mean, I'm sure the people of Israel, because when you read about all the sacrifices and offerings and all that went into it, it was a lot of work. And imagine back then when you're working the farm and doing all those things. We take this stuff for granted as New Testament Christians today. We take these things for granted. But imagine, you know, adding all those things. If you had to do that all that yourself too. If you just had to remember all those things. You know what? Thank God for the Levites that was there to do all that work. And so... Uh, the work they did was necessary for Israel as a people. Without the Levites doing the sacrifices that were a picture of atoning for sin, in, uh, um, the wrath of God would have come down on the people. In fact, many times in the Bible, we see judgment avoided or ended early because of the works that the priests did. We're not going to go look at all these stories but remember Phineas when he cast a javelin through a couple people you know, because of the fornication that was going on? God was angry at this fornication. Yet Balaam, they got the people of Israel to commit fornication. Balaam couldn't curse the people. So he's like, well, if I can get them to sin, then God will curse them. God will come after them. And when Phineas did that, God saw that and God stopped the judgment that was on them because of the work that Phineas did. We see that um, sacrifices were made. Remember after the destroying angel came through and was killing thousands of people because David numbered the people? It was after the offerings were given that God saw that and God stopped that, stopped that angel. Um, it also, turn over to Numbers chapter 16. I like this, I like this story here. We're not going to read all of it, but remember when uh, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram got theirs and how God, uh, you know, was... You know, remember how he opened the ground and swallowed them up, and God's destroying a lot of people. And it says in Acts or in Numbers 16:44, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, "Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment." And they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, "Take a censer and put fire therein from the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly into the congregation and make an atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun." I mean, God's mad and God, God's in a killing, God gets in a killing mood sometimes. And, you know, I'm not that much like Moses. I'm always like, you know, Lord, when are you going to start the killing again? You know, that's what I think a lot of times. But, you know, when it's your people, you know, you, you end up thinking different. And uh, we see that God was in a killing mood. And so Moses tells Aaron, hurry up and go do this offering. And, he, and it says in verse 40, and he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 besides them that died about the matter of Korah. Listen, we're still traumatized, you know, 20 years later, you know, over 9-11 where 3,000 people died. Over 14,000 people died here that day. Imagine what that was like. It says, And Aaron returned unto Moses unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and the plague was stayed. You know what these priests did? They got between the dead and the living. They got between God and the people. 
when God was mad. And folks, God gets angry at sin. And you know what? Thank God for priests who would get in between God and the people when God was mad. Now, let me ask you this question. Who stands between us and the wrath of God right now? Is it me? Is it, is it the pastor? The replacement of the Levitical priesthood? No, in fact, that's one area where the, uh, the Catholics, okay, because a lot of people, when they try to debunk replacement theology, they like to talk about the Catholics who believe in replacement theology. The problem is the Catholics, they've got a ton of problems, but one of the problems Catholics have in their doctrine is they haven't replaced enough things. And they still see the priests, you know, as very, as a lot more similar to the Levitical priests. Folks, we do have a priest standing between us and God today, and it's Jesus Christ, the high priest. He's the one that's doing that today. We still have that, and I think that's one of the things stopping God from killing people. You know, we're anxious for God to get back in the killing mood sometimes, but you know what? Jesus is often standing between God and those people, and he's trying to get us to go get those people saved before God does kill them. And he's, he's going to get them one of these days. We need to be reaching people right now. And we shouldn't be cheering on for Armageddon. You know, I mean, listen, I'm looking forward to Jesus coming back. Okay? But prophecy is going to be fulfilled. But I don't need to ask for any... I, I probably shouldn't be praying for any extra judgments, at least on our people. You know, maybe some of the countries we don't like. Maybe in Washington, D.C. I don't know, but we, we ought to be careful with that. I think we need to be, we all should probably be a little more like Moses. But again, uh, turn over to Numbers 8, verse 14. It says, Thus shalt thou separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. And after that shall the Levites go in to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, and thou shalt cleanse them and offer them for an offering. For they are wholly given unto me from among the children of Israel, instead of such as open every womb, even instead of the firstborn of all the children of Israel, have I taken them unto me. For all the firstborn of the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast. On the day that I smote every firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified them for myself, and I have taken the Levites for all the firstborn of the children of Israel. So another way they were a gift from God is because of the fact that they replaced their firstborn. And so that was that was a great blessing for Israel. So the role of Levites, they were a gift from God. They replaced the firstborn that belonged to God. So that was very good. But they also, they held off judgment, the judgment of God, until the final sacrifice for sin would come. In Numbers 8, 19, it says, And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and to his sons from among the children of Israel to do the service of the children of Israel in the tabernacle of the congregation and to make an atonement for the children of Israel that there be no plague among the children of Israel when the uh, children of Israel come nigh unto the sanctuary. So they were there to hold off that judgment. And that's why they did those sacrifices. Every day when they're offering up those sacrifices, you know what God was reminded of? What Jesus Christ was going to do. Because God's always known what Jesus was going to do. And so those sacrifices, they were always a reminder. And when that blood would be shed, when the people would obey in that area, it was a reminder of what Jesus was going to do someday. And, you know, and th now they didn't know that back then. You know, they just, by faith, 
They were being obedient to God. They were doing what He said to do. But it did. It worked. It worked to temporarily hold off the judgment. But we see many of those sacrifices. They had daily sacrifices. They had annual sacrifices. But thank God for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That that was a sacrifice to end all sacrifice. And we don't have any of those anymore. But their job, it was. It was temporary. And that role was completed. So, another thing that we see is that they were a picture of the righteousness of God and they were supposed to be an example to all the people. It says in Numbers 8, verse 20, And Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel did to the Levites according unto all that the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so did the children of Israel unto them. And the Levites were purified and they washed their clothes. And Aaron offered them as an offering before the Lord, and Aaron made an atonement for them to cleanse them. And after that went the Levites in to do their service in the tabernacle of the congregation before Aaron and before his sons, as the Lord had commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so did they unto them. So they were, all these things they did, all these cleansing, because there was a lot of things that other people could do, that the Levites weren't allowed to do. And it's because they were always supposed to be representing Jesus Christ. They were supposed to be an example of holiness and a picture of holiness. Now, you know, thankfully, we have Jesus Christ as an example now that we can look to. And he's a whole lot better than the Levites, isn't he? I mean, obviously, he's way better than the Levites. But during that time, the Levites were God's example for Israel. And Ezekiel 44:23, talking to the priest, it says, and they, or the Levites, says, and they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean uh, and the clean. That was one. The Levites too, they were also not supposed to be taking strong drink. And God says, because you're supposed to teach my people the difference between the holy and profane. They were supposed to set an example. They were supposed to be a picture of righteousness. Uh, turn over to Leviticus chapter 21. Because again, they, Israel didn't have a whole lot that they could look to during this time. And they were supposed to be uh, a special people, a special tribe amongst the people. And in Leviticus chapter 21, verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say unto them, there shall none be defiled for the dead among his people, but for his kin that is near unto him. That is for his mother and for his father and for his son and for his daughter and for his brother and for his sister, a virgin that is nigh unto him, which hath had no husband. For her may he be defiled, but he shall not defile himself being a chief man among his people to profane himself. They shall not make baldness upon their head, neither shall they shave off the corner of their beard, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. They shall be holy unto their God, and not profane the name of their God. For the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God they do offer. Therefore, they shall be holy. They shall not take a wife that is a whore or profane, neither shall they take a woman put away from her husband. For he is holy unto the Lord." Thou shalt sanctify him therefore, for he offereth the bread of thy God. He shall be holy unto thee, for I, the Lord, which sanctify you, am holy. Now, something we need to understand too about these commands that he's given to the Levites. There, and there's a lot of things 
that God allowed in the Old Testament that weren't necessarily good, okay? But God, God allowed these things. Um, and people will often look at that and say, you know, the Bible's okay with all these different things. You know, that we all just naturally know these things are not good, these things are not okay. But just understand, and I don't understand why, you know, God did all these things the way he did. But just because there were things that God kind of let them get away with as a people, it doesn't mean he was actually okay with it and that he smiled upon it and that it wasn't a sin. And that's why, too, when you look at the Levites, and this is what a lot of people do, too. When we'll go back to the Old Testament, we'll go to Leviticus and say, hey, look at what God said here. Oh, that was just for the Levites. I, I get that, but one of the reasons God gave these laws to the Levites was to be an example for everyone else. Because you know what? I don't believe God wanted anybody in the tribes of Israel marrying a woman that was a whore. But at the same time, they got away with it. I mean, uh, was it Salmon that uh, married uh, Rahab the harlot? And, you know, Boaz came from her and then, you know, that's where the line of Christ comes from. So again, God made allowances. You know, the judgment of God did not come on them, you know, for these things. You know, God showed grace and mercy during this time. But when it came to the Levites that had this special role, God wanted them setting a higher example. And it was one that he wanted the people doing. So you know what? We can look at this today and say, I don't think God wants us marrying whores. I, you know, I, and I, I'm just going to recommend that you don't do that. I mean, it's, well, well what, you know, what about Hosea? You know, and they made a movie about that, apparently. I, I haven't seen it, but uh, folks, and, you know, don't get me going on that. But, you know, God would sometimes have his prophets do horrible things to send a strong message to Israel. He also made Isaiah go around for like three years naked with his, even his buttocks uncovered. Oh, therefore, it's not a sin for that. Yes, it is a sin for you to do that. Well, then why did God tell Isaiah to do that? Because Israel needed to be ashamed of themselves. And so God had a prophet walking around naked as ashamed of them every time they saw him. That was how God, you know, that was how God saw them as a people. So, you know, you don't use things you know, like that. And so it is okay for us to go to Levitical law. And I get it. We're not, you know, we... We don't have Levites and priests like this anymore, but God was trying to teach his people something. And so it's okay for us to take these things and learn from them. And I don't think we should make cuttings in our flesh. I don't think we, sh I don't think we should do these things. I think it's something serious. And obviously a lot of stuff symbolic too. You know, we see too, like, you know, God made a pretty big deal about them even going around dead people. But he was still even, but even with that, he would allow it for certain things. But because of the fact they were a priest, they represented Christ, God wanted them to just have that extra effort because they're trying to, you know, they're, they're representing God. And so they should be holy. They ought to take these things very, very serious. And so um, we're not going to go through the rest of Leviticus chapter 21, but there's a lot of stuff in there too. I, I wish we had time to cover more of these things. Um, let, let's jump to verse 18 though. All right, or verse 17 it says, 
Speak unto Aaron and saying, Whosoever he be of thy seed in their generations that hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. So, these are priests. These are people who are doing these offerings. And God said, For whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach a blind man. Well, you can't help it if he's blind. Okay? You know, it's not like he went and got his ear pierced and broke God's law and did a cutting in his flesh. Something he could help. He was blind. You don't do that to yourself. Or, or a lame. Or he that hath a flat nose. Or anything that is superfluous. A man that is broken footed. Or broken handed. Or a crookback. Or a dwarf. This, that's kind of racist. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the word you'd use for that. Or that hath a blemish in his eye, or be scurvy, or scabbed, or hath the stones broken. No man that hath a blemish of the seed of Aaron, the priest, shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish. He shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. He said, man, I don't like that at all. I mean, this would offend everybody with disabilities. But folks... And I preached a message a long time ago called People Are Gross, kind of dealing with some of these things. And just showing that, you know, the reason God did it, they were supposed to be representing a holy and a perfect and a righteous God. And so people who had these just obvious major flaws. And, you know, and let's face it, okay, if you have any of those things, that's a genetic flaw. It's a bad thing. It doesn't mean they're bad people. But it's a bad thing if you have one of those. And these people are supposed to represent God. And so they weren't allowed to do the offerings. And you might not like that, but you know what? You know, God didn't follow the, uh, what are all these equal opportunity rules and things we have there? I mean, in fact, if you weren't even a Levite, okay? And you know what? Let me tell you, there wasn't diversity among the priesthood. There was no diversity among the priesthood. For one, there were no women. And not only were there not other races, there weren't even other tribes. It was just Levites. I mean, CNN, MSNBC, they would throw... Al Sharpton would be outside the tabernacle protesting for one day. And then God would have killed him after, do, after doing that. But, uh, and, and, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I could say a lot more about that, but I, I, need, to, I need to finish up. But, see, these people... These Levites, they were supposed to represent the righteousness of God to the people of Israel. Now, dispensationalism says that we don't need to worry about any of this anymore because we are in the New Testament dispensation. And many things that they would say on this subject would be true, but I think replacement theology explains the differences better. Because first off, all these things that they did, you could say are still necessary except for the fact that it's already been done. We need the wrath of God stayed right now, don't we? But it's been done by what Jesus Christ did and His continual work that He is doing as the high priest. Okay? When He said it is finished, the cross was finished, there was still more to do, wasn't there? And you know what? He's still doing work. People get offended if you talk about Him doing anything for those three days. But folks, he's still doing work. He's still ever living to make intercession for us. He's still working. He gives up. He quits. We're in big trouble. 
But you know what? He's not going to quit because he doesn't break his promises. He can't lie. We have, we have the promise. But he's still doing the work. So the thing is, we still have a priesthood. It's just been replaced by the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ. And so we don't do sacrifices anymore because Jesus finished it. Jesus is doing that work of, of the high priest. And he's doing it in heaven. And because of that, we can rest in the fact that he will always come through for us. We've entered into his rest. We've ceased from our labors. And here's the thing too. All who are saved now are priests because there is still the work of the Lord to do. We, got, we still have God's work to do. Not, not to take away sin, but to be an example of holiness and to teach people the difference between the holy and profane. Revelation 1.5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, the priests had a lot of cleansings and things that they had to do, and there were some things they couldn't cleanse. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't cleanse a flat nose. But let me tell you something about the blood of Christ. You say, well, what if I got a flat nose? What if I got a crook back? What if I have one of these problems? The blood of Christ takes care of all that. We've all received a cleansing from the blood of Jesus Christ, and it's made all of us qualified to be priests of God. And while we're not a high priest, all of us can do the work of the Lord. So technically, technically, you know, we, we're all, if you're saved, you're a priest. Now, you're not a Levite because the Levites got replaced. By us and and thank and thank god for that so don't let pastors go overboard comparing themselves to levites because we're all priests of god according to revelation chapter one so there's principles you can go to that we can learn certain things from you know but the fact of the matter is we're all we all should be doing the work of the lord we all should be priests and that's why first peter 2 9 says but ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood and holy nation of peculiar people that you should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So our, pre, our role that we have as a priest, our work that we do as priests has nothing to do with our birth. It has nothing to do with our works. It's something that Jesus did. The fact that we are qualified to do the work of the Lord has nothing to do with the fact we haven't gone by a dead body. It has nothing to do with the fact that we didn't eat pork. It has nothing to do with any of those things. It does, or because we're this good physical specimen. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has made us priests. And Jesus is able to use us. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. And uh, I'm glad that no matter what, you know, the blood of Christ cleansed from all sins. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to take advantage of the grace of God and go doing a bunch of bad stuff. You know, just doing evil that grace may abound. I think that's wrong too. I would like to, you know, walk worthy of the vocation wherever I'm called. And I think all of us ought to strive to be a good priest and a good representative of Jesus Christ. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was helped everyone. Dear God, I pray that uh, we all have a better, uh, you'll help us to have a better understanding of the Levites, Lord, because it does remind us of what you have done for us and what you've finished. And Lord, I, I'm thankful we don't have to do these things anymore. I'm thankful uh, that that's done. And uh, Lord, I'm thankful for what you've done 
for us and cleansing us and making us a royal priesthood. And I pray you'll help us to be good representatives of you as we go through this earth and that we will do your work with joy. In your name we pray. Amen.